think we have uh, Rose and others will be back there for Children's Church. So you, ch- uh, you children, if you'd like to go out for Children's Church, head to the back of the sanctuary and they'll be taking you downstairs. And the rest of us, we are going to pray together right now. Our Father, we are so grateful for your presence here, for bringing us together that we might worship you and sing these songs of faith and praise to you. And we thank you that you are faithful in all things. And we come to you now to look at this tremendous passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel 17. And as we read through it, and then as we think about it, we pray, Lord, that you will open the eyes of our understanding so that we might understand what you have for us clearly in your perfect word. We thank you for giving us the Bible and preserving it and help us now to be open to what you would say to us by your Holy Spirit. Bless our children and those who lead them in Children's Church, and we thank you for what you're going to do now. In the name of Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Well, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 as we continue our look that we began a week ago on the life of David, and we saw how David was anointed to be king, even though he was a shepherd boy. And so, in God's eyes, he had already decided David would be the king of Israel. But Saul was still on the throne. God was still in the process of working it out, how David would take the throne. And we see another step in that progression in this Account one of the most famous stories in all the Bible, the story of David and Goliath. Now, I believe this actually happened. I think this account is a, of an actual event. I don't think it was just, it's not just symbolic of something, but there is a lot we learn from this event that foreshadows what would happen in the New Testament in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the victory that he won over the great adversary, Satan, who would keep us separated from God. And so I'm I'm going to read through the passage. It's it's long, but I believe there's, there's real power in the reading and hearing of God's Word. And so I believe he will speak to you I think there are things that are going to jump out at you as we read through this passage. And then we'll go back and try to be very judicious in looking at some specific things that we can learn about spiritual warfare and how we can be victorious even as David was victorious. 1 Samuel 17. Now, my voice is not real good today. I'm hoping I can get through this. So bear with me. 1 Samuel 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side And Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath, from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now let me pause there just a second. 
from the best we understand, a cubit was about 18 inches and a span was another nine inches. And so this would make Goliath, many believe, somewhere around nine feet tall, nine feet, nine inches. In other words, he was incredibly large. He was a giant to the people of Israel. Verse 5, he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near and presented himself, and the Philistine, talking about Goliath, drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp. And carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things, and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? 
Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. And he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, or it could be translated, he belittled him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? Probably never truer words have ever been spoken. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, his gods, small g. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air 
and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does save, does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, and drew it out of its sheath, and killed him, and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sharaim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, Inquire whose son this young man is. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. What a, what a chapter. What a, what a miracle of God. It's a case study, really, in spiritual warfare. Because this was a giant that the people of Israel faced. This was an adversary like no other. And as you read through this, you can see they were cowering in fear. They didn't think it was possible to defeat this giant. In the lives of every one of us here today, there are giants. There are things that seem insurmountable, impossible. And yet, just as David trusted in God and was open to be used of God in his life, victory is beyond possible. It is assured through the power of God. How do we emerge victorious from the giants that we face in life? Well, what do we see here? All that we read 
we see a vicious adversary. Goliath thought he was unbeatable. He was arrogant. He was filled with pride. And he thought there was no one who could defeat him. Satan is our adversary. And Satan is always arrogant. He's always prideful. That's why he fell from heaven. He rebelled against God himself. Imagine how arrogant you have to be to rebel against God himself. And yet, isn't that what every single one of us have done? The Bible says we're all sinners. We've all rebelled against God. And so we needed a Savior. We needed someone to come and stand against the adversary and in our behalf. And just as David stood between the people and this great adversary, he became a, a type, a foreshadowing of the great champion who would come for us to stand in our behalf and to fight and win the battle against the adversary who would keep us enslaved in sin. When it comes to this vicious adversary, what did we see? They were focused on the size of the adversary. Sometimes we focus on the size of the giant that we face. We can only see how big it is, how, how awful it is, how difficult it will be. That's what the people of Israel, the armies, even King Saul, all they could see was how much of a giant Goliath was. We often fear the power of the adversary. In verse 4, what does it say? And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines. A champion, meaning his strength. They thought he was superhuman, that he was a mighty man, powerful beyond imagination. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. The adversary still would seek to keep us from being the people God wants us to be. We often fear the power of the adversary, just like they did. We can be unnerved by the arrogance and the noise of the adversary. You know, the enemies of God are always noisy. They're always full of themselves. They make a lot of, of sound and fury, but they don't have the power that God has. In verse 10, you see that because it says, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. I defy the armies of Israel. He was shaking his fist in the face of God. He was mocking God, mocking the people of God. And that's what the adversary, the enemies of God always do. They mock what is holy. They make light of what is God's purpose and will. He was arrogant and defiant. He was rebellious against the things of God. And he was causing great fear. And Satan is still doing that today. Though he is a defeated enemy, defeated by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, he still makes sound and fury and rails against the people of God. He does it through a thousand different ways. 
voices of people who are not even aware of what they're saying and doing. But they're setting themselves against God himself. We see it and hear it all around us in our society today. Like Goliath of old, they make more noise than they possibly can ever fulfill with the actual power that they have. And we often miss the motive of the adversary. Verse 10 that we read, and then verse 16. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. What was Goliath's motive? To strike fear in the people of Israel. To reduce it not to the people of God versus the Philistines. But he was trying to narrow it down to one man against him. That he thought he could destroy and thereby enslave the people of Israel. His real motive was to destroy the work of God. Because again, he said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Forty days. Have you seen that before in the Bible? Forty days. You know what 40 is in the Bible? It's the number of testing. It's the number of testing. Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. Israel, when they wandered in that wilderness, they wandered for 40 years. Christ Jesus was tempted of, of the devil, fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, and was tempted. It is the number of testing. And here is Goliath, a real giant, a real event, but also foreshadowing the great testing that the adversary brings into the life of every person came before the people of God day after day after day, testing them, tempting them to turn away from God himself. So we see a vicious adversary here. We also see a vicarious champion. Spurgeon used that word for David, a vicarious champion. That's an old word that means someone who takes your place. Jesus, you see, is our vicarious Savior. He stepped in our place. He took our sin in his own body. And when he died on the cross, he died vicariously, dying for us. It was us he died for. It was our sin that was upon him. It was our guilt, our punishment. And he died so that we might live. And so here was a vicarious champion, David. The shepherd boy, he was a shepherd, wasn't he? Jesus is the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep. And so when he went out to stand against Goliath, against this great adversary, he went not with the tools and weapons of war. He went in the name of the Lord to stand against all that was evil and to stand up for the name of of God himself. He was a vicarious champion. And he won the victory that day over Goliath. He was vicariously standing for the people of Israel. One man stood in their place against this giant Goliath. And the victory that he won was a victory for all the people. Just as when Jesus died for us on the cross, that one sacrifice is the sacrifice that conquered 
the power of sin and death and hell for all people who will trust in the name of Jesus. Really, Jesus died for everybody. He's won the victory for everyone. He offers that victory to all who will receive him. But it's already done. It's already finished. It's already accomplished. When we see David, we see he was sent by his father to bring bread to his brothers, wasn't he? That's why he ended up there. And he got there and he saw what was happening. And he couldn't believe that the people of Israel, the army of Israel, was just standing there doing nothing while this giant, this adversary, was mocking God himself. And so David said, I'll do something about it. The people were afraid. The people were shrinking. They were already defeated in their own minds and hearts. And then he stepped forward, and God used him to win a great victory. David was scorned. By his own brothers. Did you notice that? His brother said to him when he brought the bread to him, What are you doing here? I wonder if it was because he was embarrassed about what was going on. The mocking of Goliath. And the fact that nobody in the army was doing anything about it. Including his brothers. None of them stepped forward and said, I'll fight Goliath. I would say they were very embarrassed. And then here comes this, the youngest, the smallest, the least experienced. But he had a heart for God. He stepped forward and said, I will, I'll go. I'll do it. He saved the people of God. God used him to save the people of God that day. And what do we see as to how David did that, the, the way of victory for David, and I think the way of victory for us over the great tests and difficulties and adversaries that we face in life. How can we be victorious like David was? Well, you might say the victory is won because Jesus fought the ultimate battle for us, and he's triumphant over sin and death and hell. And when we receive him into our life and put our trust in him, he forgives us of our sin and he makes us his own children. His spirit comes to live within us. But then there's still that day-by-day -day battle of us living in this fallen world. How can we be victorious daily in our own lives that we might become all that Christ wants us to be and to let him use us to do what he wants us to do. How can that happen? Well, look what we find in David. He was persistent. We must be persistent. David saw the situation and he said, I'll do it. I'm available, God. I'll go. I'll do what you want me to do. And God used him in a powerful way. And when you want to let God use your life and be faithful to him, you can be sure you're going to face the things David faced. Fear. He faced the fear of others. Everybody around him was scared to death. But he didn't let their fear infect him. Instead, he kept focused on God. He didn't see how big Goliath was. He saw how big God is. And in life, we need to not be focused on how big the Goliaths are. We need to stay focused on how big 
and powerful and wonderful God is. Because he's great enough to help you through anything you face in life. Don't look at Goliath. Look at God. The fear of others can infect you. Also, the ridicule of others. His own brother. What are you doing here? And then Saul, when he went before Saul and said, ah, let me go and fight for Israel. Saul said, you can't do that. You're too young. You're too small. When you are willing to let God use your life, be sure there's going to be someone. And they may be well-meaning. They're going to say, you can't do that. Or whatever that is you face in life that you're trying to overcome, a habit, a problem, something that has got you caught up and trapped. There may be people saying, or it may be just the adversary whispering in your ear, your mind's eye, you, you'll never get be done with that. You'll never be rid of that addiction. You can never overcome that problem in your life. God can't use you. You're too old. You're too young. You're not educated enough. You've made a mistake. You've failed too much. It's too late for you. The ridicule of others can keep you from being persistent in being the person God wants you to be. And then finally, the discouragement of others. You know, if you're around people who are discouraged all the time, it'll bring you down. Now, we need to be with people who are discouraged so we can try to lift them up. But be careful that you don't let people who are always negative make you a negative person. Stay focused on the victory that God has already won and that He wants to be true in your life day by day by day. No matter all of these discouraging statements, David said, I'll go. And then you have the, the ridiculous scene where when David said, you know, I think Saul was touched by the, by the bravery and the valor of this young man. And then Saul says, okay, well, let me put my armor on you. Puts the coat of mail on him and all the pieces of armor. And poor David, a shepherd boy, he couldn't even walk with all that on him. And David said, I can't wear this. I'll just have to go in the name of the Lord. And that's how he went. He went in the name of the Lord. And God was trying to show us all that it's not by the things of this world that victory will come. It's only by the power of God when we trust in Him and when we go in His name. We must be faithful. David was faithful in small things. That's why God chose him to be a king. He was faithful as a shepherd out in the field. Nobody else saw what was going on, but God did. And when God needed a king, he said, that's the kind of person I want. If you're not faithful in small things, you won't be faithful in big things. But if you are faithful in the small things of life, what we consider the small things of life, honesty and integrity and submission to God, Love for Him. Love for His Word. When you're faithful in those things, God will open doors of opportunity that you have never hoped or imagined if you'll be willing to walk through them. 
but he has to know that you're going to be faithful in what he's already set before you before he'll give you anything else to do. David was faithful in the little battles, and that led him to this great public battle. We must remember the power of God. You notice that David mentions, I have defended the sheep. I have been able to defend them against the wild beasts. God gave me victory there. He'll give me victory here. You remember what God has done for you in the past, what he's done for others in the past, and that will give you courage to face what you face today. If God was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. And you can trust him. And then look what David did again and again all through this. We must always give glory to God. David didn't go in the name of David. David didn't go to bring glory to himself. What did he say? I come in the name of the Lord. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. That all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. The battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. He always gave praise and glory to God himself. If we would be victorious in our lives day by day, we must go through life giving glory to God, pointing beyond ourselves to the God who loves us and who lives in us. And when we do that, we're on our way to being victorious. It's so easy to focus on the adversary, Goliath. The army of Israel and King Saul could only see that Goliath was bigger and stronger than they were. But David could only see that he was smaller than God. And so as we go through life, what is your perspective? What is your perspective? How do you view life? Does everything seem bigger than you or do you see all the things through that victorious view that God is bigger God is stronger. God is better than all the adversaries or the difficulties that you face. Because He is. He is our champion. And He has won the ultimate victory for us. And through His name and His power, like David, we can be victorious in the daily battles of this life. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this great chapter and how you have spoken to our hearts today. We pray that as we go through the rest of this day and the week to come, that our mind will keep coming back to what we have heard from your word. And Lord, we pray that there will be victory in the lives of every person here today. First and foremost, we pray that each person here has already asked Jesus to come into their life. And if there's even one here today who has not given their life to Jesus Christ, may they be willing to say, Jesus, I need your help. I believe you died for me and rose again. Please forgive my sin. Come into my life. I give my life to you. And that, Lord, we know you will hear the prayer of faith and you promise you will Forgive and save all who call upon your name. But there may be Christians here today, Lord, who are down and discouraged and defeated. 
in their walk and they need help and they need to see your power and grace today. And we pray that in this time of invitation, if there are commitments we need to make to you, it may just be to say, Lord, this giant that I'm facing, I don't know what to do, but I believe you have the power to overcome. Just give that to the Lord, whatever it is. Ask him to help you and strengthen you. And start standing up for for the name of the Lord. And we pray, Lord, that your will would be done. And that we'll leave here knowing that we have done what we'll be glad that we did when we stand in your presence one day. And we'll give you the praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Let's stand together.